Well, this is the first Sunday of 2016, and it's a natural time for us just to stop and take stock of where we are and where we want to go. And it's also a natural time to make changes in our lives if we want to do something differently or live differently. This is a natural line of demarcation where there's a a fresh cut between what's old and what's new. I have a sermon entitled Spiritual Disciplines because I want us to think for a few minutes this morning about some, some things we can cultivate in our lives that will carry us through 2016 and on years to come carry us well. 1 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 10. Paul is writing a letter to his, his student, his disciple, young Timothy in the faith. And he admonishes him to do this. If you put these instructions before the brethren, you'll be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the words of the faith and of the good doctrine which you have followed. So Paul is telling Timothy to be a good minister and put these words out in front of the brethren. And this is what the words are. Have nothing to do with godless and silly myths. Train yourself in godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. Verses 7 and 8. Train yourself in godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Spiritual disciplines, exercises. What do we need to do? Bow with me. Father, as we come on this threshold of a new year, it's a great time to stop doing what doesn't honor you and begin doing what does. And so help us make that break and establish a new pattern for your kingdom and your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. We are creatures of habit, aren't we? I can be driving to work one morning and on the way think I need to stop and take care of this. And guess what? I'll drive right on by it and just head right on to church. Habits are so frustrating, especially when they're bad habits. You know, going home in the evening, you need to stop at the store and pick something up, but you just drive straight home out of sheer habit. Or you get home and you change clothes and you go outside to check on something and without thinking, you lock the door on the way out. And so you look for the key that you've hidden, but the key is hidden so well, you can't remember where it is because habits are so frustrating. And you and I do these same things over and over again. I was thinking it's like, It's like driving on a dirt road and the ruts are cut into the dirt. You've done that. And you drive along the dirt road and the ruts get deeper and deeper. And if you try to get your tires up out of that rut and start a different path, it's difficult. 
because the tires are just naturally trained to go straight ahead where the ruts are. But what I want us to think about this morning is getting out of those old ruts that are dangerous and not helpful and not godly and don't honor God or bring glory to his kingdom and get out of those ruts and start cutting some new ruts that would be good for us and good for God and his kingdom. A habit is nothing more than a grooved pattern of behavior. And some are good habits like getting up and walking on the treadmill each morning while watching the morning news. Some habits are harmful like obscene language or needing to have a glass of alcohol in the evening in order to relax or eating a fatty snack at bedtime. Yes, I'm going to get personal here this morning. You know, professional athletes practice their swing over and over again because they're trying to groove in their swing. The golfer swings the club, the tennis player serves the ball over and over again, and I've heard sports analysts call it muscle memory. Have you heard that muscle memory? Because the muscles get so trained and so ingrained in a certain pattern, they learn to do it automatically. You could do the same swing, the same serve with your eyes closed. That principle works for professional athletes. I, I don't know it works so well for amateurs, but it's out there. As, as athletes develop muscle memory, I think it's even more important for you and me to groove our character. And so I began thinking, why can't we have character memory? Why can't we have spiritual memory and cultivate those patterns such that, that when you are that you just tell the truth all the time and when you're tempted to lie, it doesn't even come to your mind because you just do what comes naturally. Or you are, have never stolen any money. You've never taken anything that doesn't belong to you. So when you're around a lot of money, it doesn't even tempt you because you just do the right thing over and over again. In every situation, without having to think about it, it just comes naturally. It's I'm going to call it character memory or spiritual memory, like muscle memory for athletes. I think we can develop spiritual disciplines or habits. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8, train yourself in godliness. The, the word for train here is a verb. It's gymnasium. We get the word gymnasium from it. You train yourself in a gym. This is like a spiritual gym where you train yourself in godliness for while bodily training, physical training is of some value. Why? Because it lasts in this world. Godliness is of value in every way because it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Godliness, training in godliness lasts forever. So he's urging us to develop spiritual disciplines and spiritual patterns and reinforce them with repetition by going to the spiritual gymnasium to make that happen. Paul, I don't know how much of an athlete Paul was, but he always used athletic metaphors and figures of speech. And I have a feeling if someone came up to Paul and, and asked him, I'll race you, and said, I'll race you to that sycamore tree, I bet Paul would gird up his robe and take off. He says physical exercise is a good thing, but he adds that spiritual exercise in godliness is even better. Why? Because physical training only helps us in our brief lifespan here on earth. But the value of spiritual training will carry us 
throughout eternity. Each of our godly habits have eternal importance and eternal significance. So I realize when I talk about New Year's resolutions, I've seen the surveys and the statistics, and I know that most resolutions only last about two or three weeks into the new year. But I don't care. <laughs> this morning, I'm going to challenge myself and you to think about a realistic list of resolutions for our spirits. And I, I know, you know, if you don't do all five, that's fine. If you just make a little progress in one or two, that'll be improvement over the past year. And we can do it because God wants to carve some godly grooves, some spiritual memory into our character so that when we are confronted with an emergency or crisis in our faith, we'll do what we'll always do, what we have become accustomed to doing. We will trust God. We will pray. We will faith it out because that's what we have always done. To get you thinking about yours, let me make some suggestions. And the first one is difficult for me, but I'm going to put it out there. We need to take better care of our bodies, our physical bodies. Susan and I lived in Louisville for eight years, and so we became interested in the Kentucky Derby. We didn't bet any money, but the Kentucky Derby was there and uh, followed horse racing a little bit. And this past year, something remarkable happened. American Pharaoh won the Triple Crown. The Derby, the Preakness, the Belmont Stakes, it only happens about once every 25, 30 years. American Pharaoh's worth suddenly skyrocketed to $100 million dollars. How would you treat that horse? Would you give him a Big Mac or a Whopper? Would you take him to Sonic or Dairy Queen and buy him a chocolate malt? Ooh, this is a struggle for me. Would you, would you keep him from exercising? Of course not. And let me tell you something, you are worth a lot more than a horse. You are worth so much more to God, to your family, to yourself, than a horse. So shouldn't we treat our bodies better than they treat a horse? I preached on the seven deadly sins several years ago, and one of those seven deadly sins was gluttony. And I got more comments on that one sermon than any other sermon on the other seven deadly sins that I did. And let's face it, we Baptists love fried chicken and sweet tea and banana pudding. I don't want, you, don't, don't want your mind to go there. Don't go there right now. But we as Christians should lead the way to a healthier life. Why? And we don't like thinking about this, but the Bible tells us that our physical bodies and our spiritual life are connected. They are connected. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says this, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have, which you have given from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. How comfortable is the Holy Spirit residing in this temple? And what changes do we need to make for this temple to be more fit residence for the Holy Spirit? He's given this body for us to use for him while we are here on earth. So what kind of changes do we need to make to improve 
these temples for the Holy Spirit in 2016. And let me be transparent with you right now. And let me just confess something to you because I need you to help me with this. I have not been taking care of myself physically. I have not. I eat too much. I exercise too little. I don't feel good. I don't sleep well. I don't have any energy. So I've not been a good steward of my physical body. So this is what I'm pledging to do. And I need your help to hold me accountable. I'm going to do the Daniel plan that John is introducing on Wednesday night discipleship starting January 13th. And if you see me eating something I shouldn't be eating or drinking something I shouldn't be drinking or taking the elevator instead of the stairs, I want you to call me out on it because I can't do it by myself. And if you want to join the Daniel plan, there's a book that takes us through it. It is from um, out in California and they take the model of Daniel in the Old Testament where the king Nebuchadnezzar tried to get them to eat rich foods. And Daniel said, no, we're just going to eat this food that we've always eaten and take care of ourselves. And, and at the end of that period of time, Daniel and his friends were healthier than anyone else in the area. So I'm going to do that. John's going to be handling prayer meeting for me, but I need your help. I need group discipline. And if you want me to hold you accountable, tell me. And we can ask each other, how are you doing on your exercise? How are you doing with your healthy eating? And with God's help in six months, there'll be a new me. And who knows, I might even grow more hair on the back of my head. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Take better care of our bodies because your physical body is important to you spiritually. Because if you don't have the energy, God can't use you to do the things he wants you to do. And he wants you to be healthy, to serve him, as long as you're here on earth. Can I get an amen? Amen. Second thing, start the day off right. How many of you slap the snooze button several times in the morning and then grunt and growl as you trudge toward the shower? Your day is already off to a bad start, isn't it? Contrast that with beginning a day like this from Psalm 118.24. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. That's a good way to jumpstart a day. Maybe you could spend the first 15, 20 minutes of your day with God, reading some scripture, talking to him in prayer, listening to him as he talks to you because he is just waiting for that fellowship with you to occur. Maybe you can turn the TV off a little earlier the night before, set your coffee maker to have some coffee ready when you get up. As you read the Gospels, look how often Jesus gets up early in the morning and goes off by himself to pray. And it seems to me if Jesus and the Father are one and he needed to spend time in prayer, how much more so do you and I need to do so? He must have known something we needed to learn. You can start off by just reading a few verses each morning from the Gospel of John and writing down in a spiral notebook some, of, some notes, some thoughts that come from it and then close out by spending some time with God. Starting off the day like that is like a quarter, starting a quarterback off. Have you, have you seen, been watching bowl games? They have been on for two weeks. I love them. Last night was the last one before 
January 11th, which promises to be a real good game. But I'm kind of bummed out. They ended last night, but I heard several commentators saying over and over again, if this quarterback can get into a rhythm and, and build confidence, then you know, he'll be able to throw and execute and, and the team will do well. So I think we need to get into a rhythm by starting off the day with God, a positive frame of mind, and the day goes better all along because you know God's present with you. He started the day with you, and he'll end it with you, and he'll be there for you all day long. The third thing that you can do is do something for God this year. Many of you are already doing some kind of ministry, either here in church or in the community or at your workplace, Paul urged the Corinthians to excel in the gifts that build up the church. 1 Corinthians 14, 12. Excel in the gifts that build up the church. So if someone were to come to you and say, where do you go to church? And you say, First Baptist. And they say, well, what do you do there? I hope you don't say, well, when I was younger, I did this and that, but I'm retired now. Or, or I'm one of those that just kind of likes to slip in and slip out without getting too involved without anybody really noticing me or asking me to do anything. You know, I haven't read anywhere in the Bible where a believer retires from Christian service or where a member of the body of Christ does not have a function. We don't have any appendixes in here. There, every part of the body has a role. Everybody has a responsibility. Even homebound members watching by television right now they have a prayer ministry, and that's the most important ministry that, that anybody can have. There is something that everybody can do. Everybody can do something. And no Christian can grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ unless he or she has a place of service, a place of ministry, a function in the body. And if you want to serve, you call us, you tell us what you think your gifts are, and we'll help discern those, and we will see that you are plugged in so that you can grow in your relationship with Christ, in his service, and in his ministry. The fourth thing that you and I can do better at is watching what we say. Take care of our bodies. Start the day off right. Do something for God. Fourthly, watch what we say. And I want to make a resolution myself and you can too, that you, won't, you will not say anything that you would not want God to overhear. Isn't God already present in every conversation? Isn't he already a part of every dialogue that people have? So God is there. There's nothing that you can whisper behind his back. And so he's there listening. I've had several funerals recently, and I appreciate the fact when I sit down with a family and they are talking about a loved one and they say, you know, I never heard him say a negative or unkind word about anybody. And I got to thinking, wouldn't that be nice for somebody to say about me one day or somebody to say about you one day? He never, she never said a negative or unkind or critical word about anybody. Paul gave us a standard in Ephesians 4, 15, where he says, speak the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who was the head, into Christ Jesus. Speak the truth in love. In the book of James, the Lord's brother, James says, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else gives opportunity to the devil. 
Let people know that when you say something, it's the truth. And you're not going to offer unnecessary details that might pull somebody down. I never understand why somebody likes to criticize others. It's like if you tear them down, it's going to make you look bigger. No, it makes you look smaller because you, you tear yourself down when you criticize others too. So here's some resolutions for controlling the tongue in 2016. I will not utter a profane or obscene word. I have to work on that. I will not gossip about others. And I looked up the definition of gossip. And it is casual conversations about other people, usually involving details that may or may not be true. Casual conversations about other people, usually involving details that may or may not be true. So they may be true, but it's still gossip if it's casual conversations about someone in details that, that don't really edify anybody, that don't build up the body. It's gossip. And thirdly, instead of tearing people down, how about saying an encouraging word to someone along the way? You might, you might encounter somebody and you have no idea the burdens they are carrying, the problems, the pain they feel. And you can just say a word, of, a simple word of encouragement that will just brighten their whole day. It's a simple thing. It's a good way to use your tongue and to use speech to build people up rather than tearing them down. So let's watch what we say and use our speech for good. The fifth thing, take care of our bodies. Start off the day right with God. Do something, some ministry, some service for God. Watch our speech. Watch what we say. And fifthly, live joyfully. Live abundantly. I'm so tired of Christians looking like they're depressed. You know, just always being sad. Always dismal. Always down in the mouth. We as people as, as human beings, we have more to be happy about, to have joy about, to live abundantly about than anybody else in the world. We live in a free country. We were made by God and there is no one else like us. Jesus knows everything about us and he still loves us unconditionally. And even though we are sinners, we are forgiven sinners if we confess those sins. We are children of God, joint heirs of Christ, all the riches of the glory of God through Christ Jesus. And nothing can separate us from that love. And finally, we're bound for heaven. We're in a relationship with God now. We have abundant life here. We have eternal life to look forward to. We are headed to heaven. What else do you need to smile and get up in the morning and say, this is a great day. God's going to use me today. God, work through me, speak through me. Help me lift somebody up, encourage somebody along the way. You know I love animals. I love pets. I love dogs, specifically. And I read a little saying a few months ago that I think is so true. It says, I wish I were half the person my dog thinks I am. I wish I were half the person my dog thinks I am. 
We have so much to be grateful for. So I pray God helps us be the kind of people that he wants us to be, that our dog thinks we are, <laughs> and that God knows we can be. Five simple resolutions for 2016. I know that resolutions don't last, but if we don't try to start now, when? If not here, where? And, and let me get straight. These resolutions will not save you. You are saved. Our salvation, our eternal life, our gifts from God received by faith. But we make resolutions in order to fulfill Paul's admonition. Train yourself in godliness. Go to the spiritual gym. While bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way because it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The story is told about a woman who went to see her physician and she had a long list of complaints. The doctor could find nothing physically wrong with her, no physical ailment. And so he suspected that the woman's complaints were not the real problem, that, that there was some other foundation, maybe her negative outlook on life that he perceived to be the case. So he got up from his desk and he pointed to a row of, of medicine bottles on the shelf. They were all empty. And he said, look at these bottles. All of them are empty and I can take one of them and fill it with poison, enough poison to kill somebody. Or I can take the same bottle and fill it with medicine, enough medicine to, to cure a horrible disease. The important thing is I make the choice of what goes into that bottle, either something harmful or something helpful. And then the doctor looked at the woman and said, every day is like God giving us one of those empty bottles. And we can choose to fill it up with something good and encouraging that will lift us and other people up, or we can fill it with something negative that will hurt us and others. But the choice every day is ours. And that decision is not just for one day. It's not just for one month. It's not just for 2016. It's the opportunity for us to implement some small, some minor change that will be ingrained in our character and, and build up a character memory, a spiritual memory like muscle memory. So when the time for decision comes, we won't have to think about it. It will just come automatically, innately, because we have incorporated, inculcated a pattern of behavior that involves taking care of ourselves and starting off the day right and doing something for God and watching our speech and living joyfully for God in such a way that will draw other people to him and not drive them away. God has called us and saved us to a holy life, 2 Timothy 1.9. And we can answer God's call by developing some spiritual disciplines and character memory and spiritual memory to God's glory. Let's bow together. God, I'm not so naive as to think that everybody here is going to take all these five 
suggestions to heart and work on them. But I know I need improvement in each of these. And maybe I can make a little bit of progress in a few of them. And maybe someone else here today can do the same. So you bring to each heart the area of greatest weakness and help us get out of that rut where the tires have been rolling for so long and move to a new lane of service, of growth, of discipline that will draw us closer to you and be an encouragement to those around us. We need your help to do it. It's hard for old dogs to learn new tricks. But we can, with your help. In Jesus' name, amen.